of the Water Committee for the City of Sacramento. Will the clerk please call roll and establish quorum? Councilmember Gatta? Here. And Chair Harris? Here. And for the record, Councilmember Ashby will be absent. Okay, thank you very much. I think we'll dispense with the um, Pledge of Allegiance since it's just the two of us. <laughs> and uh, we can move right into um, our discussion calendar. And we can start with number one, if you care to read it, Mindy. Thank you. Item number one is Department of Utilities Sustainability Policy Oral Report. And for the record, there are no callers on this item. Thank you. And Roshni is uh, presenting. Hello, Roshni. How are you? I'm good, Councilmember Jeff Harris and Councilmember Gera. It's good to see you both. Yeah, it's been a while. It's great to see you. <laughs> Likewise. Uh, let me start the presentation of, if I can figure this one out. Okay. So good afternoon, uh, both of you. It's good to see you both, like I said. Um, so just as an introduction, my name is Roshni Das and I'm the sustainability program manager with the Department of Utilities. Um, so today we are going to present, I'm going to present to you the, um, uh, the department sustainability policy that is currently under development. We are, we are I would say, 95% done with it, but we wanted to bring it to the committee and give you an update on what we are planning to uh, capture in the policy. So just to start with, uh, you know, our mission is to provide our services in a fiscally and environmentally sustainable manner. One of our strategic goal is sustainability. Um, and so, and we have laid out some very decisive action items to address climate change in the coming years. So from the city side, we have seen a lot of leadership to address climate change and greenhouse gas emissions, the mayor's uh, goal of carbon zero and the climate emergency. Um, so what we are trying to do to do, trying to do with this policy is that we are trying to interpret these goals and objectives in a manner that is applicable to the water sector. When I say water, water, wastewater, and stormwater, and demonstrate leadership. This will also help us meet the city and community's expectations to address climate change. So the policy at a high level, this is how we have laid it out. Um, it has background purpose, some explanations of the key terms and the actual policy and the sources we are referring to. So on the background, um, we start by providing the context to the policy with, with current climate change impacts and some forecast that we are going to face in the near future. The national and regional climate change assessment warned that extreme weather and climate-related events will cause substantial damage to the U.S. economy and human health. And interestingly enough, 93% of those impacts could be seen in the water sector through supply reliability and quality issues. Um, so on the next slide, I will try to highlight some of these higher climate change challenges that uh, we as water planners could face. Um, so the overall temperature increase is associated with extreme heat days, warm nights, heat waves, and heat-related damage to infrastructure. So Sacramento is not a stranger to heat waves, but while we face, let's say, four extreme heat days per year, uh, it is projected that by mid-century, the city could face um, as many as 19 to 22 extreme heat days per year. In addition to the demand on water during these days, these heat waves will also warm up our water in the rivers. That leads to ecosystem impacts like algal blooms, reduced dissolved oxygen levels, which can cause fish kills, all of which impacts the water quality of our rivers. So the precipitation side, what happens is this rising temperature will increase the atmospheric capacity to hold more water, which will lead to what we call extreme precipitation events. And these will form in the form of rain as opposed to snow. So studies have shown that um, uh, the Sierra snowpack and its spring and summer snowmelt, uh, which has been a key part of the water planning process, will be impacted from these uh, climate change um, uh, impacts. So what's going to happen is these uh, seasonal distribution of precipitation will result 
um, in rainfall becoming more concentrated in the winter months, which can cause flooding, and then less rainfall in summer months, which will lead to drought-like conditions, which is what we are seeing right now, even in November. It is anticipated that uh, these changes in the timing and amounts of snowmelt runoff will also impact our groundwater recharge. Furthermore, um, when these patterns change, wildlife, wildfire severity will also increase. So large rainfall events will encourage vegetation growth and these increased temperatures will evaporate all the moisture from the vegetation, making it more prone to catching fire. So while we may not see a wildfire breakout in city limits, but we'll be susceptible to the smoke and ash debris as we have seen in the recent months, last few years, um, which will contain high levels of uh, heavy metals that can impact um, our soil and water quality. We do not we do not get to this kind of detail in the policy, but I wanted to just highlight why we are setting the context and um, why we have defined the policy, you know, the, the, the various areas in the policy the way we have. So under purpose of the policy, what we try to do is we explain the integrated set of commitments and goals that collectively position the department to foster sustainable change and deliver equitable water services. So this document will align the department with global commitments like Paris Climate Agreement and United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So for example, there are 17 sustainable development goals adopted by United Nations in 2015. It sets up um, or defines how the world should be or the world we want should look like. The goals are interdependent and aim to provide a balance of social, economic, and environmental sustainability. For our purpose, we looked at what applies to us and said, okay, the clean water and sanitation, which is a goal six, and reduced inequalities and climate action um, are something that we are committing to within this policy. Furthermore, the policy document also aligns ourselves with the national and federal uh, benchmarks as well as state and you know, local goals that we have set up for ourselves. So in the policy, there are three overarching goals that we have identified, starting with um, carbon neutral utility by 2045, and then the climate resiliency of utility infrastructure and finally, equity and environmental justice. Once again, these goals were identified by focusing on the immediate actions that the department needs to tackle, uh, needs to take to tackle the global, national, state, and local movement to global warming. After the goals, the policy further drills down into eight focus areas, which with definite commitments and tactics under each focus area. While commitment sets up the department to achieve very specific sub goals, uh, the tactics are capturing some current measures taken by the department, as well as some future strategies that we could consider in developing that roadmap to achieve these three goals that we have, uh, we have identified. Um, so the eight focus areas are shown on the right side of the slide uh, from climate change to innovation. In the next few slides, I'll try to highlight some of these commitments under um, and tactics under each focus area. So climate change. Addressing and responding to climate change is, you know, that is at our doorstep is one of the most important uh, initiatives that we can undertake. The department is committing to develop uh, a sustainability action plan by 2022 to conduct risk and vulnerability assessments develop mitigation and adaptation, and to track resilience criteria in our planning and our capital improvement projects. Under greenhouse gas emissions, the department has already been um, committed to inventorying and reporting its greenhouse gas emissions to the Climate Registry, which is a, a nonprofit organization. In 2019, we were recognized as founder of the Water Energy Nexus Registry, which is a voluntary registry for water agencies, suppliers, and wastewater managers. Currently, um, water management sector comprises of 17% of the city's total municipal emissions. And from our reporting efforts, we know that our, our own emissions um, come from electricity, natural gas, and then from fleet. So what we have done is we have set a goal to achieve 100% carbon-free electricity by 2030 on our roadmap to become carbon neutral utility by 2045. 
we, we, we think we can achieve this because it is already buying renewable energy from SMART through solar shares program. And uh, we also have great commitment to greening our fleet through you know, city zero emission vehicle and green, green fleet commitments. Next one is energy efficiency. So the city's, uh, the department's footprint is just 4% of all city facilities. But as you can see, the energy um, use is 48% of the city's uh, overall use and 45% uh, of the city's energy cost. So it's very important that we tackle energy efficiency aggressively within our uh, operations and um, systems. So we have seen close to 18% reduction in our energy use intensity from 2005 to 2019, but we want to continue the momentum and push for greater efficiency to achieve the carbon emission targets that we have set up. Uh, we have also, the department has also instituted an energy management policy under energy manager that we have identified to move us into this direction. Water conservation, um, efficiently managing our water is critical to addressing the growing demand and the threats to water security. We have an award-winning program, uh, which we need to continue to support and invest in and also comply with the stringent state regulations that's coming down on us pretty soon. The waste management, um, uh, we want to improve the waste management efforts within DOU facilities and operations, which will further help us reduce our carbon footprint. Um, so we want to encourage a culture of waste management best practices through engagement and education. Uh, for example, conducting a waste stream audit every five years would be ideal. And we want to support the city's goal on waste management by assessing the feasibility of it within our own operations. Sustainable infrastructure. Uh, we want to provide our services in a cost-efficient manner while benchmarking ourselves to meet these applicable sustainable infrastructure standards that are existing in the industry. So we want to assess the feasibility of these certifications that we can adopt and implement um, in the sustainable design and construction criteria. Furthermore, we want to invest in the expansion of um, green stormwater infrastructure wherever feasible for community health and resiliency. Um, you may know that vulnerable communities experience higher risk and are highly susceptible to climate change. They have less capacity and fewer resources to adapt and recover from these climate change impacts. According to U.S. Water Alliance, water equity occurs when all communities have access to safe, clean, and affordable drinking water and wastewater services, and they are resilient in the face of climate risk, have a role in decision-making process related to water management, and share in the economic, social, and environmental benefits of water systems. We have been working with Army Bonds, uh, the city's diversity and equity manager, to draft this section with the context to utility services that we provide. And finally, uh, we want to identify the role of innovation to help us achieve these sustainability goals that we have identified. We want to invest and participate in studies, research, and testing technologies to set us up for success and demonstrate leadership in becoming a sustainable utility. Um, that's the, all the focus areas that we have identified. And once the Policy is finalized, which we hope to uh, finalize very soon. We are collecting stakeholder feedback. Uh, we are planning to move forward with the sustainability action plan, which will have definite action items um, and create a roadmap to achieving these three high-level goals. And that's my presentation. Well, thank you, Roshni. That's uh, a lot of information. And of course, the Department of Utilities is a major player in all of our city operations. Um, I have a couple of questions, but Eric, if you would like to go first, if you got something on your mind, please go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I've got a couple here. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I appreciate that. Uh, Roshani, th thank you so much. That's a great presentation. I'm, I'm inspired by the staff and our, uh, our city's uh, uh, activeness and, and being uh, forethought, uh, having some forethought about how do we address climate change in every aspect, including our Department of Utilities. Um, one of the things uh, uh, on the issue of uh, greening our fleet, as we move to purchase our electric vehicles and, and that in, and all of the different scope of the type of vehicles and equipment we will need, 
I hope we'll be working with SMUD and, and the efforts with the California Mobility Center so that we can also look at purchasing uh, uh, any kind of products that are produced here in Sacramento. Uh, I think the more that we as a city can also help start a regional economy and the manufacturing of electric vehicles and other zero emission products, I think will be helpful. So I, I hope the department can reach out to SMUD and, and the California Mobility Center to make those, those, uh, those goals uh, uh, together. Um, on the issue of innovation, likewise, I, I hope we can also take a look at this in the climate, not only just climate justice, but climate jobs as well, too. So and we're, when we're looking at future innovations, how can we work with our department, our economic development department to say, are there opportunities of things that we need that we can look to uh, innovations by current uh, manufacturers here, whether it be for equipment upgrades uh, or other testing uh, uh, products that we might need for our water. I, I, I want to make sure that we kind of put that on the table. And lastly, on the equity piece, um, you know, you talked a lot about uh, the uh, the environmental uh, justice efforts, and I appreciate the the city's efforts with American River and all the and um, uh, that that's been done to to address the not only just the, the fish population there, but managing. I think that you, you talked about the the flows. Um, but uh, Morrison Creek comes to mind because it's one of our uh, stormwater runoff, our drainage areas. It's a, a critical piece, particularly if we have higher rainfalls. But it's also a place where uh, the community has gotten together to try to create uh, almost a uh, mini American Park, a river parkway there, so that we mm -hmm. look at our, our uh, stormwater runoff and our drainage systems uh, have, having a, a, a public benefit too. So as we look at climate change and our equity strategy and our policy that, that we put a couple of those pieces there. Um, so I, I think if the only question that I had is if, if you have any comments on those and, and if when you're looking at procurement uh, practices, are we looking to, to try to support our local manufacturers and local businesses that are, are meeting those uh, climate goals? So on the um electric vehicle and the zero emission initiatives. Uh, you may know that Jennifer Venema and Mark Stevens is taking the lead on navigating that piece for the city. Um, so what we have tried to do is definitely engage with them. Um, there are some stringent um, rules and regulations that's coming down the pipeline for us, like advanced clean fleet uh, regulations, advanced clean um, trucks regulations. Um, we have initiated um, some discussion with our local, um, what we call utility consortium around these topics, as well as Jennifer and Mark to address any challenges or any concerns that we may have with meeting these uh, regulations. We want to meet them, but we want to do it in such a way that our operations are not you know, uh, negatively impacted. We are still able to provide the critical services that the city and the community members need. So we, um, we, we definitely look up to Jennifer and Mark to lead the charge on that. Uh, but what we have done is definitely trying to take a look at our operations and express uh, any concerns or any thought process behind that with them um, and also to the uh, listen to the what the utility industry is saying about these uh, regulations that's coming down to us well, thank you um, yeah and on the um, uh, when we talk about water equity, definitely there are a couple of those pieces from water affordability and uh, engagement with the community. And the third piece actually is optimizing our investment in such a way that the disadvantaged community and uh, people, what we call on the frontline communities, are able to um, uh, take advantage of those investments. Uh, sometimes that's that's been the disparity in the investments in any in cities. You see that we kind of keep investing in um, <laughs> well-to-do neighborhoods. Sometimes the disadvantaged neighborhoods are forgotten in those investments. Um, so we are definitely trying to capture that language that we need to reassess and reevaluate where our investments are going into. But right now we are just setting up that high-level policy language. We'll need the tools and um, mechanisms to review that a um, uh, lot of local agencies, uh, local cities like SFPUC and Seattle have taken uh, great strides in addressing these um, requirements. So we'll be definitely looking at that, uh, those, those uh, toolkits out there to see how we can assess and move ourselves 
to be aligned um, in a better way. Well, thank you, Roshini. I really appreciate all the work that you have all done on this. Thank you, Councilman Bergera. So, uh, Roshi, Eric brings up a couple of salient points. One being to close the loop on procurement and try to stay as local as possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, that makes sense on a lot of levels in bolstering our economy, trying to create more jobs locally. And also the transportation of goods is, uh, you know, creates the, the, uh, the, the particulate matter in the air that is exacerbating climate change and the greenhouse gases. So. It works on a lot of levels, and I think that you should definitely keep your eye on that. What I want to ask you about is um, green stormwater infrastructure. So I'm thinking bioswales. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like to see how we compare to other cities in terms of bioswale activity. I know that Portland has far surpassed us. Uh, if you look at their civic center, they capture almost 100% of their stormwater runoff from one of the biggest buildings in Portland all in bioswales. Mm -hmm. So it's naturally treated before it makes its way into the Willamette River. And I feel that we could do a lot more in this regard and it requires a little bit of a harder look. Right, you know, we're gonna be talking in a moment about a stormwater drainage feed hike, right? So we've got a lot of stormwater to deal with. Um, most of it, you know, well, in the older parts of the city goes into the combined sewer system that creates one set of challenges, but um, you know, if we if we engage more with green stormwater infrastructure, I think that we would be in a good place to do so. It would bring a lot of advantages. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a, a lot of untreated water gets into the river, and we know that stormwater uh, it can be quite polluted just from chemicals on the roads and chemicals in lawns, um, fecal matter, all kinds of contaminants find their way into our river, but bioswales are a, a natural filter. And yet we only have a couple of demonstration projects in the city. I think there's a lot of ground to be gained there. So I'd like to sort of elevate that conversation if possible moving forward. Yeah. Then that's definitely our intent with that <laughs> language that we want to expand the green um, stormwater, green stormwater infrastructure, um, capturing that in the policy. I know Tony is here. Tony might be able to speak more to it. But um, yeah, we actually just completed our demonstration garden project, even at 35th Avenue. We have a couple of bioswales and um, rainwater capture systems built in there as an amazing demonstration project. And I am aware of our demonstration project with uh, uh, Sac State as a great example. Um, I know there are some challenges. I've heard from the engineers uh, who are very invested in it, uh, Cheryl Hyun, uh, about you know the applicability of the stormwater infrastructure. You have to look at the soil conditions, the soil type before we implement them. So there are some challenges there. Uh, but on the other hand, I know we are doing um, a study uh, on green stormwater infrastructure opportunities tied with our combined sewer system. And I believe we, we just reported on this to the city manager's office that that study is supposed to be done by 2021 or 2022, um, which will help us move ahead with identifying areas where we can, uh, you know, um, prioritize them. And Tony, <laughs> you, you, are, you have anything to add? Um, yeah, I would just say that for any new development, these, these, green infrastructure pieces are basically built into sort of the fabric of those projects. If you look at McKinley Village, um, some of those projects, they have them built in and it's a little bit easier to do in a, in a new, newly constructed development. Um, it does pose challenges to our existing infrastructure when you try and add these devices into the systems. Although it is certainly something that we look at and take every opportunity to do as we move our you know, infrastructure projects forward. So, um, and it's something we continue to look at. I would say one of the big differences we've found, um, Councilman Harris, relate that's different in Portland than it is in Sacramento, is with our dry summers, to do those bioswells and make them look like they do in Portland. I mean, they're beautiful up there. I would agree with you, but irrigate them. So in some ways it's a catch 22 um, to make them really work. We've tried some downtown and they're problematic. So. It's a, it needs to be a continuing effort and continue to continue to look at opportunities when they arise and, and different methods to, 
to utilize those. Yeah. At this point, do you know, Tony, if um, community development part uh, department is conditioning new permits upon uh, you know the the application of bioswales on new projects in terms so, of issuing the permit? For instance, I applied for a permit to build an accessory dwelling unit, and they conditioned it upon my built my building of a bioswale in my backyard. However, that would have been applicable for the separated sewer system, it turns out. I pointed out to the Department of Utilities. I live on the combined, I, I, I mean, I, that was on the combined system. I pointed out that we're separated in River Park and so we didn't have that condition. So it was applicable only to the combined areas. Is that correct? Right, it's only applicable to the separated system, not the combined um, is, is where it's typically applied. And yes, it, that's actually a condition that is applied by the Department of Utilities. Anytime there's an increase in impervious area on a site, um, then it triggers the need to do some type of mitigation. And green is always our preference. Although in some, you know, there are certain cases where it's just not practical um, but we push rain barrels, we push swales, infiltration trenches, um, just about anything to, to be as green as we possibly can. But it's the increase in impervious area that triggers the, the condition. Got it. Uh, fair enough. All right. Thank you. Thank you both. Great presentation, Roshni. Hey, you Thank have you. the next item as well, as I understand. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Let me... Um... Let me just grab something here real quick. It's not a presentation, but uh, it's uh, we are getting an award from uh, EPA. So um, it is my pleasure to share with the Water Committee that uh, the city's water conservation program has received an award from the United States Environmental Protection Agency. Last year, we had received an award on excellence in outreach and education, but this year we have received a higher honor from EPA. And I'm, on, I'm honored to have Veronica Blett from EPA to present this award to city and to provide some background on this new higher um, level. Uh, to provide some background on Veronica, she has managed the WaterSense program in the uh, EPA's Office of Water since 2009. She previously served as Special Assistant to the Director of the National Drinking Water Program and led EPA's Drinking Water State Revolving Fund Program. Um, before joining EPA in 1997, she worked in academic research and environmental consulting fields on projects investigating the effects of atmospheric deposition on soils and water quality. She has a BA in geology from Smith College and a MS in geology from the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. Now, Veronica did not mention this, but I learned from our team that she is what we call an unsung hero in the water efficiency world and has received the 2016 Water Star Award from Alliance for Water Efficiency. Um, this award speaks volumes to the work that she does because the winners receive this recognition not by applying for of the award themselves, but because their peers around them recognize the value of the dedication, passion, and significant contribution to the cause. So we are grateful for your work, Veronica, and uh, thank you for being here today. Take it away. And thank you, everybody. Thank you, council members. Um, before I start, though, I just want to say and offer up, um, based on your discussion on the sustainability plan, that we do have a lot of resources on green infrastructure and interest here at EPA. And if you guys need any help hooking up with somebody in our national office or in our regional office, I'm, I'm happy to help you. Um, and also just to, if you want more information about an urban waters program that we have that maybe Sacramento and the river would, would be awesome. So I'm happy to help you on that front as well. So as Rashi said, I I'm, I'm run the WaterSense program here at EPA. And at WaterSense, we're really focused on trying to help consumers find simple ways to save water through the use of more efficient products, practices, and services. Um, I'm happy to join you today, like she said, from Washington, D.C. in my office with some happy news from Washington, D.C. Um, while I hope you're familiar with WaterSense, I just want to highlight a couple of things. So we're operated as a small voluntary partnership program and our partners include manufacturers who make the products, the retailers who sell them and the promotional partners. And the water utilities are the promotional partners that I think are our most critical partners because 
they're on the front lines of communicating with consumers. So much of the programming that we try and develop here at EPA is focused on helping to make their jobs easier. And I always like to tell people when I show up, sometimes people are like, oh, EPA is here. And I always like to say like, I wear the white hat at EPA. I'm actually truly here to help you. Um, we have more than 2000 partners across the country, including 144 in California that are local government utility partners. And together, everybody has helped us save more than 4.4 trillion gallons of water and 87 billion in consumer bills for energy and water since 2006. So one of the highlights of my year every year is going to Las Vegas, um, not to gamble, but to participate in the annual recognition of our partners of the year. And these are the folks who have gone above and beyond in promoting the program. This year we had 29 awards, which we normally would have presented at that conference in early October, but COVID-19 changed everything for us and everybody. So this today, I'm really happy to have the opportunity for a limited number of partners, I'm able to do this to present the award and recognize you here as Sacramento Department of Utilities with a Partner of the Year Award. And like Rashni said last year, you did get an excellence uh, award for outreach and education. And this is a step up. The Partner of the Year really shows that you are sort of succeeding across the board from educating consumers to promoting labeled products and to taking advantage of strategic collaborations in your area. So we're small. And we do need a lot of help. And uh, City of Sacramento really stepped up to help us in your area in 2019 by engaging in our consumer campaigns and connecting with consumers with social media at local events. And um, you've used our graphics and some of your materials, which is really great to see. Um, I'm always really happy when I can actually see our products in use and you use them in your newsletters. And I also really enjoyed the creative campaigns that you developed on your own. Uh, the Break Up Your Lawn campaign, which I think is very funny, and the Made Possible By campaign, which, which you highlight sort of the, the rebates and other programs that you have to help people save water. Um, I did want to talk about a few things in your application because I don't know if the council members had the opportunity to see the application, but I wanted to highlight a few things that really stood out for me because they showed how you used WaterSense as a leverage um, uh, for Springboard uh, for really advancing your programming. Um, the first thing is that you took what we have in March, we have a thing called Fix a Leak Week. And a week was not enough for Sacramento. So in Sacramento, it's Fix a Leak Week month. And you used it as a springboard to find and fix leaks in your area that have been identified by our AMI system. And a lot of utilities are trying to figure out how to use their AMI systems and really get consumers to buy into them and use the data that's from them. So you use that to get information to your customers to show them where they were use, they were wasting water through leaks to help them fix them and to really introduce them to the data that they had available from their AMI portal. So that's great. Um, expanding that effort into the leak-free Sacramento program is a really great example of how water efficiency efforts can benefit those consumers who, are, who can least afford water waste. And so yours is one of the programs that I am looking to highlight around the country as we try and develop resources to show utilities, how they can integrate their water efficiency programs with their customer assistance programs. I also really liked how you leveraged our sprinkler spruce up campaign to promote checkups of irrigation systems and your water conservation showcase event, both of which look to be a great success. And finally, your collaboration with SMUD uh, to use their platform to offer instant rebates on water since labeled plumbing products was a great way to get labeled products in the hands of customers without having to reinvent the wheel. In many cases, we find the energy efficiency world has a lot more resources than the water efficiency world. So to be able to collaborate with them and use their like system to get the information out there is a really great um, collaboration on your part. You can see I'm excited about the city's programming. And I think you guys can be proud of your efforts and the commitment of your agency staff who are working on energy, or, I'm sorry, energy efficiency, water efficiency. And I want to give a special shout out since like you guys surprised me with like talking about the Water Star Award, which I never talk about, but I want to surprise you guys and, and just give a shout out to William Granger, who I saw pop up um, at, at one point there, who recently joined me as a trustee on the American Water Works Association Water Conservation Division. Uh, volunteer efforts like that help Sacramento to share its good work with others. And it also allows him to bring back information from peers across the country to help you improve your programming. So I look forward to seeing what you have in store for the future. 
I wish you congratulations. Please convey my congratulations as well to your fellow council members. And I wish um, to, or look forward to seeing achievements you have in the future. So I'm happy to take any questions you have, but um, I'm just really um, happy and pleased. My little like smokes gallon flow here says hi. And she's very happy as well. So enjoy your, enjoy your award. Well, Veronica, thank you very much. We're pretty excited about this. You know, our, our utility department works very hard, you know, on the WaterWise projects. In fact, both of the council members you're looking at here on the screen have smart controllers. And, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty conscious as a city about this and moving in the right direction. And you probably know that we'll be fully metered here pretty soon. Yes, which that's will exciting. Make a big, big difference in the education campaign for our city generally because people will finally know how much water they're using. And so they'll, they'll be competing against themselves to uh, be more water wise. Anyway, thanks so much. That was, that was a, a very nice bunch of compliments that you, that you laid on Sacramento and we're, we're deeply appreciative and congrats to our utilities department. They really do rock, they're great folks. And I want to say that uh, William has the award. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he was the only one coming into the, the office to office. get it. Uh, and I want to thank the, the rest of the team members who, um, without their support, uh, we have a good team. Um, uh, definitely without their support, we wouldn't be able to achieve this. So thank you, William, and the team also. All right. Thank you very much, Roshni. We're going to have to move a little quicker here. We only have 20 minutes and three items to get through. So we're gonna move right into Imagine a Day Without Water. And it looks like Pravani is with us, which is very exciting news. Pravani, are you there? I am here, uh, Chair Harris. Uh, good afternoon to you and uh, Council Member Guerra. Um, it's a great honor to be able to present uh, an update on uh, Imagine a Day Without Water. Let me make sure I share my screen with you. All right. Um, so on October 21st, uh, the Department of Utilities uh, was able to put on um, an educational campaign. And um, what that does is educates the public on the services that DOU provides to uh, the public in terms of water, wastewater, and uh, drainage utilities. Um, the, we participated in uh, what's called uh, a national campaign put on by the U.S. Water Alliance's Value of Water campaign. Uh, this was the sixth annual uh, day uh, without water, and um, it highlights how water is essential, invaluable, and is in need of investment across the country. Um, it is a, a day where we educate the public, but we also advocate what, for what the needs are in terms of utilities across the nation. Um, this year, because of the uh, public health crisis that we faced, we needed to reimagine what we had done last year. Last year, we brought everybody in to our Sacramento River water treatment plant, and um, we engaged in tours, and we had educational booths where we demonstrated what we did in utilities. This year, we decided to put on a day where we engaged in a virtual conference. So um, we developed videos and webinars that we released throughout the day on October 21st um, through our event website, through social media and YouTube. Um, we wanted to do this because last year we had gotten an overwhelmingly positive response in what we did in terms of education. And we felt that we wanted to continue that momentum. And so um, we decided to do it in this way. The, we identified videos and there were a total of four videos that we developed and then a, a couple of webinars on, on different topics. And it was from that holistic one water perspective. In other words, drinking water, wastewater, stormwater, and encouraging that the re these resources are looked at holistically from a sustainability perspective to ensure that we could maintain those resources going into the future. Um, and uh, so we, we did a different um, pieces that were sent out during the day on that October 21st. And um, there is a video tour that is very popular. It's gotten 
a lot of views. In totality, all of our videos have received about 900 views so far. But the water system tour is the one that so far has been popular. I was going to share it with you, but I re realized we're on a time constraint. I would encourage you, if you haven't looked at the video, you can look at it. It's on the utilities website. You can even access this through the city website. Um, and then finally, oh, let me skip that. Um, that's the, that concludes my presentation. Uh, I am available if you have questions or you have any feedback. I want to thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Pravani. Um, you know, you do fantastic work with our water treatment and ed education as well. So this is pretty exciting and it is unfortunate that COVID-19 got in the way of really bringing people in and making them more aware, but you know, the future, the next year holds promise and uh, perhaps we can pick up the pieces there. Uh, Eric, did you have any questions or comments? No, but, uh, you know, I lived on a well when I was in Yolo County and our well collapsed and it took months before we could get it back up. So a day without water, I can completely appreciate. Thank yeah. you. Well, Thank obviously you. water is life and without it, uh, we wouldn't be here talking. So our water sustainability efforts, the groundwater bank and conjunctive use and water treatment wastewater treatment, it, it does, it, it, it all connects. So I really appreciate you helping people understand sort of the hydrologic cycle on a local level. That's great work. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pravani. It's nice to see you. You too. All right, appreciate that. And now we'll go on to item number four, the SURA SURA program. So, Chair Harris, yeah, um, I'm going to do the, these next two presentations, and they're fairly short. Um, would it make sense? I could just roll them together and then answer, take questions at the end if that works for you. That works quite well. Thank you. All right, we'll get this rolling. And Chair Harris, for the record, I have no colors on item two, three, four, or five. Okay. Thank right. you. Um, if you're ready, I will get started. Can you see the my, my shared screen? Yes, we've got it, and go ahead. Okay. Um, just as a formality, um, my name is Tony Bertrand. I'm the engineering manager with, with DOU. Um, I will cover these two, two updates for you. It's the SURA project program update and the drainage rate adjustment update. Um, I will start with the utility rate assistance program update. Um, so as of June 30th, as you can see, we have uh, 8,135 participants um, in the program. Um, this does include five not-for-profit organizations. Um, this last quarter, we uh, spent a total of 819000 $192 um, during that quarter, um, you know, to provide monthly discounts for water, wastewater, and or recycling um, solid waste fees. Um, for the year so far, we're up to a total of $3.19 million of annual budget out of a total budget of $3.78 million budgeted. So we've done a great job, I think, um, in, in pulling people into the program. One thing that we did do this last quarter was work with SMUD to get the list of the folks they have in their similar program. And um, we're using that um, database to help uh, augment ours and hopefully bring more people that uh, qualify into the program. And um, you should see um, some efforts moving forward looking at the next year's budget um, on some recommended modifications as part of the FY22 budget uh, process. Um, so that's the SURA project program. I will move on to the, the drainage rate adjustment. Um, so, so as you know, and I know this is no surprise to, to either of you that um, we have not had a rate increase in the drainage fund since 1996. Um, that's over 25 years. I, I started in 1995. So in my entire career here, I've only seen one rate increase. Um, 
basically um, what this increase um, when we get it passed will do is provide funding um, for a big portion of it is for rehabilitation and replacement projects. Um, right now, and it's been this way for the last couple of years, our annual capital improvement budget is somewhere in the proximity of $250,000 a year. So, so virtually nothing given the size of our system. Um, and when we, and when this rate adjustment moves forward, um, it's basically going to, to help with the backlog of, of rehabilitation and replacement projects and, and also kind of propose and present a best management practice moving forward. So we're, we're doing work on projects before they fail. And um, the, the work that we're doing right now is pulling together all of those projects and, and looking at how much that, that funding need is. And currently um, the numbers that we're using with the team uh, moving this effort forward is about an $800 million capital improvement program over the next 20 years, just in drainage. And like I said, most of that is uh, rehabilitation and replacement and regulatory compliance actually plays a big role um, looking forward. So um, the process that's underway right now um, for the rate adjustment is the first piece was we selected a new rate model um, something a little more, more modern to use, something easier to use. And um, we're currently in the process of populating that model with city specific data and um, getting ready to start using that information to come up with proposals for what this rate increase should look like. Um, the team that we've pulled together to do this work is TBWB, that's right. <laughs> I've heard the acronym so many times, but uh, anyway, they're a reputable, knowledgeable, and capable firm. And the approach is to help us um, move the overall rate adjustment program forward. Um, part of this will include looking at what the rates should actually be to accomplish our program, and then what is practical um, for the ratepayers. And then another piece of it will be outreach, um, which will be both internal to the city staff and council members, city manager's office, and external to the actual ratepayers that will uh, bear the burden of this rate increase. And um, the final piece of this will just be implementation planning, which will include, um, you know, recommendations for the new rates, um, you know, how we roll that out, when we roll that out, um, how we will move forward with a vote. Because again, as you guys know, this is a uh, Prop 218 um, election that will need to happen. So we need to be very strategic about how we move that forward. And uh, so that's, that's pretty much the presentation. I just want to let you know that we will be updating you as we get new information um, and we further develop our strategy. And with that, if you have any questions, I know I went through that really fast, but I'm trying to get you to your council meeting. Yeah, well, we, we appreciate that. Five minutes off wouldn't hurt. Uh, so, Tony, you must have a general time frame in terms of doing outreach. I mean, you might not want to commit to that right now, but I would like to get a sense of how long you think it'll take to do adequate outreach and develop, you know, the, the well, the rate, basically, and then, you know, be able to discuss it publicly and, you know, bring it out and sort of prepare the public for it. So it, it will be a long process. Um, the discussions that we've had so far, and I really don't have a date. I mean, that's not, I'm, I'm really not shining you on there. We really don't have a date at this point. Um, part of the work that the consultant is going to do is look at these, look at, look at the rate that comes out of the rate model, you know, look at what the need is and um, plan this strategy moving forward. And some of that is actually, because it's an election, they're actually going to have to do some polling and kind of see where the public is on this topic. And, and that's why it makes it really challenging to kind of have a, have an end line date that we're shooting for. I think it's going to depend on how this polling goes. Um, you know, what it looks like we might be able to actually move forward as a rate increase. And, um, and I think timing is going to be important. You know, if, if we end up, if COVID gets pushed out later and, you know, we're, we're, we're not in back to some kind of a normal situation, that may affect things. So I think we just are really too early to be very specific with you. Yeah, no, understood. Look, we've been through this with other 
rate hikes, you know, water, solid waste. Uh, it's a touchy subject, obviously, because it affects people's incomes. Um, and there's never a good time to do a rate hike, ever. There's only less bad times to do it. So we have to look, obviously, for that strategic window where, uh, you know, we have the best chance of success. And now that we're dealing with a pandemic, that certainly kind of threw a wrench in the works. And of course, elections affect it. Everything affects a rate hike. So, you know, I trust you guys. I know that you are looking at all of these factors, but we also have a need and we have to be very realistic about why we want to do this. So when we do the outreach campaign, I think it's imperative to really solidly demonstrate the need. I think sometimes the consumers feel, well, you just, you're, you waste our money, you know, your bureaucracy and you're, you know, I don't really agree that you have this huge need, but we're aware that our infrastructure is aging. At least, you know, at the city council level, we're very aware that things really haven't been improved for many, many years. And um, so, you know, it's, it's a tough job that you're, that you're undertaking here, but it's a necessary one. Eric, any comments? Yeah, I mean, I concur with everything that uh, the chair uh, just mentioned. I mean, I think making sure that we do the effort to educate on the current state of our situation and, and that the public feels confident that their tax dollars are, are being used in that, or fee dollars that are being used in the appropriate way. Uh, the one thing from your previous, uh, on the utility rate assistance program, um, you know, we uh, did a good job with using the SMUD program and getting out to the community. But I think, you know, the, where we need, where we could improve is drilling down in the harder to reach populations that are in, in that need. And I, and I'm just, uh, I feel like we, we've used the traditional outreach methods, but we're not going to say organizations like Singtown newspaper that really connects with a lot of the low income South, Southeast Indo-Chinese community in the area or Deepity uh, Metamano, which is a um, you know, monthly magazine that's clearly geared to Spanish-only speaking population. So uh, we do, we, we generally, local governments go for the lowest common denominator when we're doing outreach, but particularly for this utility rate assistance program, I think we've got to go specific, much smaller and targeted to get to those communities. At the same time, um, I think we can couple that with what uh, Councilmember Harris mentioned here um, to do the, the right outreach. And yeah, we've got aging infrastructure. So with that great uh, work, and I, I hope we can move in that, in that direction, understanding that we've got challenges with COVID. Okay, thanks very much, Eric. Tony, thanks for the update and we'll look forward to the next one as you work on the model and to get the consultant on board and um, start to finalize some of the discussion. So we have something a little bit more concrete to report that. Yeah, we will keep you posted. All right, thanks a lot, Tony, for all you do. All right, that concludes our agenda. Eric, do you have any questions or comments for the committee? No, well, let's all wish for rain this season. <laughs> okay, all right, we, we'll record, start. We have no comments on matters not on the agenda. Yeah, uh, you have no callers? No callers. Okay, thank you, Mindy. Well, that being said, um, yeah, we'll, we'll hope for rain and snow. Although, of course, I have an open project, which actually is a help. It invites rain. <laughs> Virtually every time I tear a roof off a project, rain comes up. And we're looking at possibly Thursday or Friday. So there you go. Uh, it's the best way, best way to get rain, man, is pull out the tarps and start covering the house. <laughs> All right. That being said, that's my only comment. Thank you very much, Madam Clerk. And uh, thanks to everybody in the Department of Utilities. You do a really solid job for the city. And we'll see you at Council, Eric. We got about four or five minutes here. All right. See you soon. Thank you, Eric.